I mean, sticking with it. That that's the thing is like a lot of you know small businesses they they give up early because they you know they they don't have the 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 tenacity or whatever like pick a word they you know grit the grit that goes in there. <laughs> um, but for us, it's just like all right, well that didn't work. Screw it. Try this. That didn't work. Screw it. Try this. That didn't work. Try this. If you're looking to leave the nine to five and to elevate your side hustle, the Hustle the Day podcast is the podcast for you. Your host, Trent Bray, left the nine to five grind behind and is helping others do the same and focus on the future. Hear from others who have done it and how they did it. Jump in as we talk entrepreneurship, mindset, and strategy. Just take it one day at a time and hustle the day. On this episode of the Hustle the Day podcast, I've got my first ever interview with two different people at the same time, Julie Traxler and Corey Harris of SB Pace. They are friends and neighbors who became business owners together last year just as the pandemic was hitting, and it has been an interesting experience for them, but really excited to share their story today. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited to have Julie Traxler and Corey Harris here. Corey, I'm going to let you jump in and introduce yourself first, and then we'll have Julie introduce herself. Awesome. Thanks for uh, having us on the show today, Trent. We um, are SP Pace. So our business is uh, small business consultants. We focus on startups, um, growth strategies, that type of stuff. Julie and I have been in business for about a year now. Um, and you know, we're, we're out there just helping small businesses. That's, I don't know, Julie, what you got? <laughs> well, now I'm going to tell you about me and about Corey, since he was so graciously told you about our business. So we combined have like over 40 years of experience, a lot of it. Um, with small businesses. We were on a mergers and acquisitions team together. That's where we first met. I hired him. And true story, I hired him because he could fix a toaster. So that is how um, we um, met. Um, Both of our parents were small business owners. So, you know, we come from small business families. And Corey has a really strong background in systems and process, as well as he spent a number of years in restaurants. So he really understands like end-to-end flow and like optimization and the importance of service. And my background, and he's also the money guy. He's he's our finance person because I'm not, you can't trust me with math. I'm more of the social one. So I do sales and marketing. I have the social media. I'm the person who you know, builds the relationships and has the conversations. And then um, we execute together in terms of what we're delivering, but we really pair very nicely in terms of like the services and and the um, the skills that we have, right? His strengths are my weaknesses and my weak and my strengths are his weaknesses. So it's a good, it's a good combo. Yeah, that is a, a perfect combination. And, you know, I've personally been involved in a partnership before and, you know, you, you just get excited about somebody who wants to help you on your business and you're like, oh, great. Well, you can bring this to the table and I can bring this to the table. But one thing that we didn't discuss beforehand is what roles we wanted to have. And we both ended up wanting to have the same role within the company. So is that something that you two discussed beforehand? And how do you help other people maybe uh, dive into those waters of a partnership and make sure they're compatible like you two are? <laughs> I love I love where this conversation is going. 
Um, and I will start it by saying part of the reason that I love where it's going is because we have a client right now who has a partner and his partner literally does nothing to help him. And so Corey and I are kind of filling that gap for him. But I, I frequently, because of that client, I'm reminded of how fortunate I am to have this guy as my partner because I know anything that I need, I just have to ask And I also know that we can have really difficult conversations and just be like, like, look, this is, this is not going well, or we're not, I I don't feel like we're delivering to the level that we should be. And that's kind of how we wrapped up the year of 2020 was when we, when we did our strategic planning for 2021, we started by doing a retrospective and then really talking about how can we better hold each other accountable and how can we like get better at the things that aren't going well. And so I think because there's a really strong level of trust between the two of us, we can have the tough conversations and um, it's easy to work through like any issues or problems that come up because we're just, we're very, very honest and direct with each other. And and probably because everything is built on a really strong friendship. Yeah. And I think that humility is a huge part of that. Um, Myself, for example, I like to think that I'm an expert at everything and I can do everything and I don't want to ask for help. I hate asking for help, et cetera, et cetera. But it is really nice to, to just shoot an email, a text, whatever it is, and be like, hey, can you just do this thing? Because I don't want to. I'm not good at it. I don't like doing it, whatever it is. Um, you know, just knowing that that there's somebody there to like pick up the slack where and, and it's not even necessary slack. It's just like, I know that I'm not good at this. I can do it. I'm not going to do it well, but you can do it better. So would you just do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I understand. And you got to have those tough conversations. I love that you brought humility into it because I think that does play a big part into it. But if you didn't have those tough conversations at work, you can't just go off and escape and, you know, be off to your different places and unwind because it turns out your neighbors as well. So (laughs) if you don't have those tough conversations, it, you can't escape from it. So that's great that you that you can do that and move forward and understand each other a little bit better because of that. Yeah, I you for for me, one of the hardest parts of the the past year of launching the business has been that we can't escape it, right? It's in every conversation that we have. And it, that was a big part of what we talked about when we were doing our strategic planning for this year was like, I, I, I know this will sound ridiculous. I, g- I get it. And I'm going to say it. And I mean, Corey would never utter these words, but I will say it. We could spend like 10 hours working like one day, like just sitting in what we call conference or the executive conference room, which is really just Corey's kitchen and working. And then I could leave and go home and I would actually like miss Corey. And the reason that I would miss him is because we just spent 10 hours only talking about work. And we only talked about work for like the last three months. And I miss our friendship. So we had to draw some boundaries around how we could like stop talking about work at certain certain times so that we could, you know, just engage in our friendship again. Like, you know, we, we go to the gun range or something and it's like, okay, that's not a business trip. That is a friends going to hang out. And so no talking about business. And it's, I'm the one that's really guilty of always bringing business in. And so I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you owe me a couple thousand dollars in bets. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I probably do. And so I just, um, 
you know, I have to make a conscious effort on that. But I, I think that part has been the bigger struggle for, for me personally is so there are times where I'm like, I just miss my friend. I don't want to talk about SB Pace today. Yeah. And it's funny, like, because I mean, we had this conversation, was it yesterday, maybe um, just talking about, uh, I think it was on our podcast that we recorded yesterday with Cheryl, where like, you know, it's like, oh, we're always on the clock. I'm always working. And I'm like, I don't have a problem taking time off. I'm like, you need to learn how to just <laughs> shut it down, put the phone down, close the computer, just disappear. Like it, it, nobody needs an email at 11 p.m. Period. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then you're, you're speaking to uh, me a lot there because I grew up with uh, both my parents being entrepreneurs and a lot of the family being involved in that company and Sunday dinners, all it was, was work talk. And I'd, I'd try and interrupt and be like, Hey guys, this is, this is Sunday dinner. Let's keep it family. You can have work on Monday. Uh, it didn't, really ever work that way but <laughs> I, I at least tried to steer it in that direction uh, because at one point my wife was working for that company too and uh, it, it definitely got to those conversations of oh hey did you do this while you were there on Friday it's like all right guys like <laughs> family now business yeah. later <laughs> Well, you've got a lot going on. I mean, last year you just started the company. Um, you just moved and moved to basically the same area. You started the company. Pandemic happened. You decide to write a book. You start a podcast. Uh, Clubhouse became a big thing that you know Julie and I are probably way too involved in. But <laughs> the question is, how do you have a do you have a strategy in place to help? tackle all that? Because I know as a small business owner, it's really difficult to think, okay, I've got to be here. I've got to be here. I've got to have that omnipresence, but then also do those tasks really move the needle forward? What, what's your strategy for kind of combating being everywhere and also being a part of the business? I mean, one of the things that that we do well, and I say we, Julie does well, she's, she's the project manager of the group. She's good at planning. Um, so it's, you know, setting, setting up the weeks, setting up the schedules, it's, you know, creating the calendars, like all of that. Um, and it's, it's for us just dividing and conquering and again, playing to our strengths. Um, one of the things that Julie is really good at, and it's a, 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 a pro and a con, um, is her business ADD. <laughs> so uh, for probably the first six months that we were in, you know, in business working, we'd have our, our, our daily meeting, whatever. And I, I just dreaded the conversation because she would come in hot, like, all right, we got to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, slow down, slow down. <laughs> like, let, let's talk through it. Like we haven't figured out these other things. So for us, like that, that was like finding our voice, finding like where we're strong and, and what we do that, that took a while. And then, um, but once we figured it out, it's, I mean, we're, we've just been hammering it. That's um, a little too much. So, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, we do, we outsource where we can. So we definitely have some people that we depend on regularly. We don't, aside from like video creation, which I do, we don't do our own social media. We have a girl who's amazing and we're trying to figure out every way we can to get her to come work for us full time because she's just, she's, she's the best. Um, so we outsource where we can. And um, one of the other things is that we really figured out 
it probably wasn't until like October or November that um, we needed to be more come in stronger on the message of we, if, if you're not ready to do the work, we don't want to work with you because the stuff that we work on is really hard. Launching a business is not easy. Creating a growth strategy so you can go from working in your business to on your business it's effort. It's a lot. And it's a, it's an upfront investment for business owners to make. And so many people complain about wanting to make that shift, but they don't want to do the work. They can't find the time to do the work. And I'm like, dude, you can't make the shift if you can't, it's going to be hard work up front, but it's going to be so worth it on the back end. So finding ways to really work with clients who are going to do the work makes it easier for us to get things done and then really focusing on um, like our top priorities, right? So if we look at everything as, and this is why we left corporate America, we felt like we weren't able to add value to the level that we could add value. And so now we control that. And it's part of the reason that we're really just so excited about our new program on Foundation 52, because it is just, there's so much value in it for small business owners. So if we know it's going to bring value, we can build a plan to focus on that and execute against that. And we just figure out what are the top priorities we're going to do. And we we move forward that way. But there are days where we get, I get lost. Today was one of those days my mornings got hijacked, right? And you just, you kind of get lost in the stuff that's coming your way. And you're like, wait, I got to pull back because I got to figure out what are the real priorities for the day. Yeah. And I think like one one of our biggest faults, uh, more so mine than Julie's, but um, we just like helping people just in general. And, you know, like it's part of the sales process, like somebody calls and they want to, you know, talk through whatever. And then, you know, you get to know them, et cetera, et cetera. And then at some point we figure out that this person either isn't going to be a good client. We don't want them, you know, or they can't afford us. You know, we had a conversation earlier this week with somebody and um, I mean, like she's a, a sweetheart and she's got, she's got like a great kind of business idea going, but she doesn't know business. And like when Julie had the conversation with her and was like, how much can you afford to, you know, pay somebody to help? And she was like, $50. (laughs) We're like, okay, let's just, let's just now just a charity case. Like, let's just get on a call. Let's figure out how we can get you to where you can afford more than $50 to get, you know, pay somebody to help you. And, and I mean, we had a great call and that, you know, it was fine, but yeah, that's uh, for me, like I, I, I grew up in um, restaurants and uh, I, I know what, you know, food costs or beer, liquor, soda, whatever it is, I can associate a cost to that. I am terrible at selling my time. And that's, that's one of the, like the hardest things for me is like, Oh, you just want to pay me to like talk to you. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> So should I send the invoice to you after this or? Yes. No, Joe, <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you struck a chord with me though. Uh, something that I think every entrepreneur, if they dig down deep enough, what it really comes down to is they want to create an impact and you have a limited opportunity to do that within a nine to five environment. And you have unlimited opportunity to do that within your own business structure. And sometimes it may be a $50 charity case, you know, far cry from $15,000 packages that you offer. But at the same time, you're creating that impact directly. 
which is really exciting and really unique and something that you can really only get in entrepreneurship or maybe, you know, a, a legitimate charity, uh, something to that effect. So an, another thing that you, that you touched on that I want you to go in a little bit more depth on is what is working in the business versus working on the business? So I'll take the first pass at this one. Um, I, we see this frequently and I, I know um, when you hear how we describe it, it's going to resonate with you. Um, you have business owners who, you know, they launched a business and um, probably maybe it started as a hobby. It started as something they're super passionate about. And um, um, the easiest way to explain it is by using an example. So we have a good friend who um, decided to launch a um, knife company and it was completely by accident, right? So he had been hunting. He didn't have a good knife. He was hunt- He lives in Illinois. He was hunting in Montana. And on the drive back from Montana to Illinois, he stopped literally at every like, you know, sporting goods store, Gander Mountain, Cabela's, like everything you can think of to look at knives. And he's like, these knives are like four or $500. I'm not spending that kind of money. I'm gonna go make my own. So he buys like legit, like a $20,000 forge (laughs) and like invests like 70 or 80 hours of his time to make a knife. He makes this knife. This is 2016. And he posts a picture of it because he was really proud of it. And some cat on the internet was like, hey, can I buy that from you? And he was like, sure, like 50 bucks. (laughs) So, I mean, huge investment. And for four years, he repeated that cycle. His prices have increased. And he, I mean, and they're the most beautiful knives ever. I, Corey got me one for my birthday. Corey has two of them. They're amazing knives, right? Um, And now his price has increased. But four years, he went without ever having one for himself. So he bought that, did all that work to have a knife. Four years, he finally creates his own knife. And now he is doing it as a side hustle. And he literally works like 10 hours a day on this business and wants to make it his full-time thing, but can't figure out how to, what levers to pull to make that happen. And I'm like, there's no reason you have to be working that many hours on this business. Like there are things you like hiring people. And, and I'm sure, you know, we've heard this over and over again in, in Arate, Trent, that first hire is really, really scary, especially when the first hire isn't a friend or a family member. And you got to figure out like, do I, do I trust this person? Can they do the quality of work? And so taking somebody who is spending just ungodly amounts of time working and doing everything from, you know, making the knives and doing the marketing, taking the pictures and doing the selling and updating the website. And they do it all themselves. And it's like, if you just build a strategy where you look at how you're hiring and you have a marketing strategy for, for how you're going to post and when you're going to post, <coughs> excuse me, and you have a sales strategy and you figure out your capacity and how long does it take to make each knife and what's your cost of making each knife. And you look at everything holistically in your business and you just start to slowly move them out of the pieces and outsource pieces of it, or just make it more optimized by implementing systems and processes. And you, you can get them from, you know, that 10 or 16 hour workday to being able to, maybe they're still going to work 10 or 16 hours, but they're going to be running the business and making big decisions for the big picture rather than doing all the little things and never getting to the point where they have a strategy. 
Yeah. And that's, I mean, for me, especially like, you know, having owned, uh, you know, a handful of restaurants and, and that type of stuff in my, in my past, um, just learning how to just give up like control, like, like I, I, I'm a control freak. I am admittedly, I, I like to know what, you know, what's happening at, at every point. And I like to know that, you know, I'm in, in, in charge of everything that's going on, but like at, at a point, uh, you know, I, was working on my fourth. So it was small chain of cafes here in Richmond. And I was like, I, I'm working like a hundred hours a week. Like I'm splitting time between three different spots. I'm working on a fourth and I'm like, I, I just need to give up. Like, like just trust somebody hire well, train well, and then get them to do the stuff that I shouldn't be doing. Like I, I, I needed to work on building the brand and that's where I added value. Like, like building the brand, improving the processes, um, negotiating with vendors, that type of stuff. I didn't need to be opening the store. I didn't need to be there, you know, managing people, writing schedules, whatever it was. And, and that was a hard thing for me to figure out. Um, and it, it still is hard, but, you know, I, I know now that I can, if I train well, I can just give that up and somebody can run that for me so I can do the things that I really need to be doing. It, it's one of the hardest things that we've seen small business owners have to do is making that transition um, because, you know, they've been there from the beginning. They've done all the things they know their business inside and out. And it's really hard um, to kind of take a step back and let somebody else have a little bit of control for a short period of time to help you move that business along. It's, it's very, very difficult. We um, have a client right now who, we are helping him with his growth strategy and he has a very specific number he wants to hit. And, you know, we've got a process and he wants to do everything at once. And we're like, just slow down. <laughs> like just, just relinquish some control and just trust. Like you hired us for a reason. And it's, there are some tough conversations. We're like, Oh man, again. <laughs> <laughs> so Corey, you mentioned something that I, I thought was interesting of, you know, you don't have to be there opening the restaurant when you were in the restaurant space, but some people feel like they have to, you know, lead from the front and they have to set the example and be there to pick up the trash and all these things. And a lot of that is established in say like core values and things like that. But at what point do you think a business owner can say, okay, this is these systems are established or do you feel like they get pulled back in when people aren't necessarily uh, living up to those core values. I mean, that really depends on the, the business owner and what they're willing to give up. Um, you know, for me, it was, it was just knowing that like I had to trust myself to train well. And, you know, like, obviously um, you know, I'd show up at, at, at a shop or, or whatever it was. And like, you know, I didn't like the way this was, or we need to, you know, it, like there's certain things that need to get fixed, but overall, like it's, it's not going to be perfect. Like the only person who can make it perfect is me. And I'm the only version of me um, for now. <laughs> that's, a whole, uh, <laughs> that's a different podcast trend. That's a yeah. different podcast. Um, but, but I like, like you just like, I, I need to know that like if people are going to do the best that they can in like their version of what I think their best can be. Um, and that's, you know, what you just need to encourage and, and train in your employees. It's not, um, uh, like I said, like I, I can always walk in and do something better in my mind, but it might not even be better. It's just in my mind, it's, it's better. 
Yeah. It's really emphasizing the core values to the employees and having that woven throughout. Like typically if a, um, if there are issues with like service or you're not getting great talent that you can point all of that back to leadership and what they're doing and how they're executing against the core values and, and building things out. And you really have to trust what you're doing. Yeah. And, and Julie and I have had this discussion numerous times in terms of uh, when it comes to hiring. Because uh, again, like I, I, working in the restaurant industry, you're getting the dregs of society. Like, you're, you're, like most of the people applying for the job are the unemployables. Um, and Julie's like, oh, no, there's a way that you can do it better. You can do it better. And I'm like, I don't know. I I did it for like 14 years. I, I don't know if I can, but I'm slowly, slowly getting convinced that I could have been hiring better. And that probably came back to like, you know, my core values and, and all of that, just being open and honest with, you know, who I was and, and the business that I wanted. I bet you any money Trent agrees with me. There's a way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah I think there is. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it really, it comes down to setting things up right initially, having that all, all those systems in place uh, up front, rather, I'm trying to say. Um, it's about having those systems up front rather than having to go backwards and trying to fix them later. And that's where things get really important in starting a business too. So talk to me a little bit more in depth. You mentioned Foundation 52. What, what is that program and what does that help you do? Oh, I, <laughs> I'm going to gush a little bit and um, I hope that's okay. Corey's probably going to roll his eyes a little bit, but I think he's on board now with where I'm at on this program. This is to me, the most important thing that we're going to do as a company, this foundation 52, we, you know, as Corey mentioned, like we love to help and we spent the bulk of 2020 giving services for free to people because we knew that small business owners had just been hammered all year long. And we created this program, which um, is, you know, it's available for pre-sale now, but it launches officially on the 15th of February is when people can start accessing it. It is, there's over 200 hours. It might, it's, it might actually be closer to like 250 hours by the time it it's ready to launch of content. So it's a 52 week program, self-paced. And we provide a roadmap for how you should approach, how we recommend you approach it, but you can access the information in any order that you want. So if you're struggling with marketing or you need some help with sales or you want information on systems and processes, you literally just have to go find the video. And every week comes with videos. It comes with a um, what I would refer to as it's almost like a, a podcast because it's just an audio file, but it's Corey and I talking about that week's content and giving some examples and giving additional information. And the reason that we created that is because, or that that's going to be part of it is because the program is going to be on Kajabi and, you know, Kajabi has such a great mobile application. And so people could be in their car and listen to one of the one of the audio files and get some great information. It has tip sheets. It has Q and a for each, each um, week where we list out possible questions that people might have and the answers for it. And, and there's some worksheets and then there's monthly live Q and a calls with Corey and I to um, answer any questions that small business owners have. And we priced it super low. It's $97 a month. So small business owners can afford it. There is a, and that was really our single biggest thing was what's the price point 
that pretty much any small business owner could afford and, you know, and then just hammered on the value that was in the, that's in the package. So there's a, on pre-sale, it is actually $20 off a month. So it's $77 a month, but it's all, it's an upfront payment. When you, if you sign up for the $97, it's just $97 a month that they're going to be paying, but we're really excited about this program. Yeah, that sounds really, really helpful. And uh, I think you're going to deliver on the content just knowing uh, a little bit of your background, Julie. Uh, Corey, I've just met you before we started recording, but uh, I've known Julie for a little bit through, like she mentioned, the Arte Syndicate. And so I know you guys are going to deliver the value on that. That's super exciting and really helpful to the small business owner. So you just recently went out on your own, you, at least in this company rather. And obviously 2020 was just a, a year of pivots for a lot of people outside of the obvious pandemic. What would you say was a challenge that you never expected when you started this business? Um, I mean, for me, it was like really like defining what it is that people need. Like that was like the, the hard thing. Like if, if you like, so, uh, you know, conference room number one, where we are right now in my kitchen um, has seen some changes over the past year, but you know, there used to be sticky, like giant sticky notes all over the wall. And like, we had, you know, just list upon list of like, this is what we are. This is what people need. This is what we had. Uh, we even wrote um, like uh, scripts for conversations. So when somebody calls us, this is what we're going to respond and all of that. 99% of that uh, has been burned up in my fire pit um, <laughs> because it's like, we knew there was a void. We knew that there was something out there that, that we could provide. It just took us forever to, to get around it, it, not forever, but it took us like six months to, to figure out what it was. And I mean, sticking with it, that that's the thing is like a lot of, you know, small businesses, they, they give up early because they, you know, they, they don't have the, the, the tenacity or whatever, like pick a word that, you know, grit, the grit that goes in there. <laughs> um, but for us, it's just like, all right, well, that didn't work. Screw it. Try this. That didn't work. Screw it. Try this. That didn't work. Try this. Yeah. That didn't work. Oh, we're going back to square one. <laughs> That's, I think he right now is sort of making jokes about my business yeah. ADD. Uh, for me, I, the, thing that was the most surprising that's the question right most surprising or the biggest challenge the, the, a challenge you never expected oh yeah well i'm going to talk a little bit about support right so you know you start a business and um you're so excited about it and and you're just you know telling your network and telling people and support doesn't come from where you think it's going to come from, right? Like you're thinking, oh, my friends and my family are just going to like be telling everyone about what we do. And that's not really what happens. Like no one is ever going to care about your business more than you do, nor should they. But you'll meet these people along the way who are either not even part of your network or who are on the peripheral of your network. And they become these key players in supporting you. Like they believe in you. And sometimes they believe in you more than you believe in yourself and really push you. And I, you know, the, the it's great because you've got this new network. It also, for me, I really had to learn to temper my expectations of friends and family for what they were going to do. And that was hard. Like there were a lot of, a lot of days where I would be just like 
angry at someone like in my network. Cause I'm like, why are you not supporting this or helping or whatever? And then, you know, I finally realized like, that's not their job. That's our job. Like we have to push this out and make a difference to the world. And it's, you know, we get, we certainly get support from people that are, you know, in our network, like our friends and family, but I've learned to not expect it and just be so grateful for when it happens. But that was a really, that was the hardest part, I think, for me of 2020. Yeah. And uh, kind of playing on that, the like for me, not having any social media and not being the type of person who likes to ask for help. Um, it It's funny because like one of my uncles, like early on, he, you know, he bought uh a package of our books when we did the pre-sale and signed up for the blog and all that. And it wasn't until like December. So like three or four months later that I realized that his wife, my aunt wasn't on any of our like distribution. She wasn't receiving her blog, wasn't like subscribed to the podcast, anything like that. And so I just reached out to her and I was like, Oh, Hey, you might be interested. And she's like, Oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, shit. (laughs) All it took was one email and like, you know, she's one of our biggest supporters now, but didn't even occur to me that I needed to send her just a quick email. Oh, you might be interested in this thing. Yeah. And asking for the feedback and the testimonials, right? That's so important. Like, I think um, we talked a lot about this in 2020 of there are so many ways that you can support small business owners without opening your wallet, right? There's so many things you can do. You can subscribe to a blog. You can share the information. You can like their posts on social media. You can engage in the content. You can make referrals. Like there's just a ton of ways to do it. And I feel like we're getting much better at asking about that, right? And just saying, hey, like now if you interact with us, I'm asking you for a Google review. Like I'm asking for it. And we've gotten better. And I've seen, um, over the course of, you know, all this now almost year, a really significant um, shift in Corey in that um, he's much more open about telling his story and sharing about himself on social through our posts. Like he doesn't love it, but he will do it because he recognizes that we are the brand and people, you know, people listen to our podcast because they like us because they want to hear from us. And so we've gotten, we just recently shifted our approach to the podcast and it's more story-like in the front end where it's just him and I sharing knowledge and stories and whatnot. And um, so that big, that shift has helped because it feels less like it's just me on the front line if he's there partnering with me on it. But we, and, and he's gotten better at asking for help. Like I'm telling you just on Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday was our last session um, this past um, Wednesday um, was our last session of the Business Essentials Academy, which was a 10 week course that we launched for people to um either build or like start a business or build a solid foundation on their existing business. And there was like just so many industry experts that came on and talked about a variety of topics. And um, our last session was all Corey is talking about business plan. I've never seen anybody who's better at business plans than this guy. And so like 30 minutes before the class started, he called me and he goes, Hey, can you, can you like take the final section of this class tonight? Like just like talking about sales and marketing. Cause I don't know anything about it. And I'm like, yep, I got it. I'll do it. Right. And he, six months ago, he would have never asked for that help. He'd have just been like, oh, I'm just going to wing it. So he's gotten better about that. Yeah. Also, Corey may or may not be my real name. Just <laughs> <out there. laughs> we, we won't dive too far down that road, but 
it, we talked a little bit before we started recording about that support system. And you know what? It, you, it really is interesting to see where that support comes. And sometimes, like you said, Corey, it's just saying that email to say, hey, thought you might like this. You Sometimes we get into our own feelings of, oh, what if they don't like it? Well, you're you're not going to you're not going to advance your business if you're always worried about what other people are going to think of what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I've gotten some great support from people like you mentioned that are on the fringe that you, you that aren't really deep into your network like you think they would be. And I think that's what makes it important when you start your business idea to reach out beyond your friends and family, the people that may not be your biggest supporters. They may be your biggest supporters on the face of it, but when it comes down to brass tacks, it's they're not going to be necessarily the ones that are supporting you with their wallet. So sometimes it is helpful to go outside that or on the fringe of your network, like you mentioned, and really get feedback on what you're doing and how you're planning to launch things. And you might get some good feedback. That's so, great. One one other thing you, you mentioned before is you kind of specialize in businesses that are three to five years old. That's where you can really help people out and really help them grow. What's kind of been a common thread or a common theme that you've seen with business owners that they wish they would have started three to five years ago, and now they're coming to you and saying, hey, help me with this? One of the biggest things is people that have, you know, they start really fast and they haven't thought about the foundation, right? So they don't have core values. They don't have a mission statement. They don't have any strategies in place. And so typically those are the people that we're going to see that are, you know, they're working in the business and not on it. And that's, it's not uncommon at all to see that they don't have that. They don't even have a business plan, right? They just started. And so we're almost going back to scratch and saying, all right, let's, let's build in all of these things. And I think what surprises me the most is the number of people who don't understand the value of any of those things. They don't know why they would need a business plan if they already have their business up and running or why do I need core values? Like what, why is that important? Yeah. The the foundation is definitely critical. And that's something that a lot of people don't like work on. They don't, they don't have that set when they, when they start their business. The other thing that I, I always find interesting and I'm, you know, I'm the, the numbers guy, I'm the math nerd over here. Um, it's just how, how many people are just afraid of financials. Like they don't like they're, they're scared to look at their numbers. They know that they've got money in their checking account and they can pay their bills and that's it. It's, you know, what's your cost of goods? Like how, like, what is it, what does it cost to run your business? What's your profit? Like all of that type of stuff. We have um, a, a group that we work with. It's a, a handful of dentists here in the Richmond area. And we were talking to them about, um, their, uh, the, the call out rate, like the number of cancellations they get and like how, how many, you know, what percentage of their day is spent with empty chairs and their, you know, and their practices, not one of them could answer like with, with any certainty of like, Oh, I think it's this many or whatever. Like I, I have an idea, whatever it is, but like, they have no idea. And it's just like stopping to look at the numbers could, could make so much of a difference for everybody you know, when they're, when they're running their business. Yeah. They don't know the, the, the cost of that to them. That's, that's not uncommon. It's also not uncommon for people to not know what it costs them if they have a product. And I, I, I bet you any money, Trent, if we asked you this question, you know, the answer, what does it cost you to make your product? What are you selling it at? And what's your margin in there? And we 
people, a lot of people don't know that they just, they have no idea. And, you know, one of our clients right now is really like hustling hard to make some sales. And we started as we were building out this new product that he's offering with a very specific price point. And he just kept dropping that price point and then finally got to the, to a price point where we're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're, you're like, do you know how many of these you now have to sell just to like, and, and he had no idea because he wasn't thinking about it from the numbers perspective. He's thinking about it from the, well, what number, what price could I sell this at that I would sell the most possible? And I'm like, but you're losing money on every sale. Like you have to look at it holistically and p- people don't know to do that. Yeah, it is interesting. And fortunately being a, uh, a small business and having to know some of those things uh, hands-on and not having to outsource any of those things. I do have a good idea on my numbers, but <laughs> um, yes, I do experience that a lot with other people that just really have no idea and they really don't care to know, but they're real. They don't realize what they're leaving or the opportunities they're leaving on the table by not knowing that information. Yeah. I liken it to when you're like in college and you, you know, you're running on your, your bank account is just always running really close to the edge. At least most college kids are, and you go to the ATM to pull out some cash and that receipt comes out and you just crumple it up and you throw it in the trash because you don't want to know. And um, some of the most difficult conversations that we have with small business owners are the conversations where we're getting them to be to understand that it's okay that they're not financial whizzes. Like you, you know, the barrier to entry, Corey always says barrier to entry to open a small business is really just have enough cash to open up the doors, right? So you don't have to have like a background in finance. And let's face it, not a lot of, not a lot of schools are educating people on how to be entrepreneurs. So being able to help people understand this isn't uncommon and you don't have to be embarrassed about not understanding your finances. That's what we're here to help with. Yeah. And that's, I mean, one of the things that uh, is, it's always interesting when you're like, you know, like I said, the the barrier to entry to most businesses, just having cash. Uh, My brother's a dentist. He's probably, uh, he's a little more in tune with what's going on with his business than most uh, other dentists. Um, But he, he went to dental school, spent uh, some time in the Air Force, went and specialized. And then, you know, so he was in school for, you know, a decade, well over a decade, just to you know, get to where he was. Walks into a bank and he's like, hey, uh, I want half a million dollars. They're like, all right, cool. Here you go. <laughs> he, like, and he was blown away that like he needed nothing other than the fact that he had doctor in front of his name. And they're like, here's half a million dollars and and talking to him and, and many of his friends and colleagues and like just how many people have failed or, or, you know, are, are just backwards because they don't, they don't know business, but banks are like, yeah, here's money later. Yeah. That's interesting. I've, I know somebody here locally who is uh, buying up dental practices throughout the United States because dentists, don't want to handle the business side of things. They're in it to be a dentist. And so he's taking over several practices and running the business side of things to, and that's what he's working on right now. So I totally understand and can relate to what you're talking about of what they, they don't know these numbers. They don't really care to, they just want to do the work that they were trained to do. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. 
before I get to a place where you can plug, where people can best find more information about you, I want to ask you personal or business, what is it that excites you about the future? And we started with you first, Corey, at the top of the episode. So I'm going to let you go first, Julie. Ah, well, great. I appreciate that. So what most excites me about the future, I would say I'm going to, you know, go back to the Foundation 52 program again for us. Like I'm really just so excited about that. And I think the fact that spring is just around the corner <laughs> excites me because um, I it's been a long few months of darkness and literal darkness with shorter days. And I'm looking forward to the long days and getting outside more and doing more, more things outside that are um, not in front of a laptop. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I can agree to that. And I, I think that um, regardless of, you know, politics or, or, or anything that, I mean, this year is going to be much better than, than last year. Um, you know, and, and I think that people are going to be like, they're going to go out, they're going to want to do more. They're going to, you know, they're looking to, to make up for a lost year essentially. And I think that 2021 is going to be very, very interesting from that perspective. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. People are, are ready to get out and be outside and be moving. And, you know, I've experienced that, Myself doing, uh, you know, some real estate, people are moving out to the suburbs and droves because, hey, if you're going to be quarantined somewhere, you want to have a yard now. So (laughs) you can remote work. You don't have to be in the city anymore. So (laughs) 100%. Well, very cool. I I appreciate the time that you've given me to come on the podcast. I really appreciate that. So I want to give you a chance to plug where we can best find you and more information about you and your company. Perfect. Um, we are on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, probably most active on um, Instagram in terms of like posting like content, really meaningful content and videos and whatnot. Um, you can find me on Clubhouse. I love hanging out on Clubhouse. And um, you can we'll let Corey tell you about our book. Well, yeah, uh, you can connect with us via our websites. <laughs> oh yeah. We have websites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've got the sbpace.com, which is our, our website. And then we've got bizquickpodcast.com. Um, we're not as active with that one, but you know, we've got both of those going and then um, you can buy our book on Amazon. So you can click through our website to get there. It's seriously now what a small business guide to disaster preparedness. Um, you can, like I said, buy it on uh, Amazon and we've got a digital workbook download available. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, personally, I've got your book on Kindle. I, I like having the digital copy of it, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great, great book. I definitely recommend it. And you know what there, I'll make sure to include links in the show description so people can just click and find you a little bit easier, but I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this. So I know my audience has gotten value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day. Thanks Trent.